We've got some fresh new young talent doing some things that I know you haven't heard before. One, two, three, listen. You gotta have a like the why, and we know our why. So you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Yep. Millions and millions of people have done this already. You can get help, you can get a roadmap, you can save a lot of time, money, and frustration. <laughs> Welcome to the Value Add Podcast with K&K. Hey everybody, Value Add with K&K, Crystal and Kenny here. Just want to say thank you so much for the support, for listening, um, the comments, everything. Keep it up. We'll keep going as long as we can. And if you like what you're listening to, like what you're watching, uh, tell your friends about it, leave us a review, maybe even give us five stars. We love those. That's how we can grow and continue to bring you guys value and spread the word. Thanks guys. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another amazing, fabulous, wonderful episode of Value Add with K&K. And Crystal's looking at me today. I'm excited because, ladies and gentlemen, it's been months and my voice sounded so terrible. But I'm back, baby, and I'm ready to go for another round of podcast season coming up in the next two to three months. We're going to be bringing on guests. I'm getting fired up. I'm actually going to work on the list today. Maybe if you're listening to this, I'm hitting you up. And if you try to deny me, I will chase you and come after you. So come on our podcast, share your story. Crystal's looking at me like, shut up and let me say something. At this rate, he'll be losing his voice again soon. No, no, no. The amount of steroids I'm on, we could, Justin Timberlake can be on stage tomorrow if he lost his voice today. All right. So what are we talking about today? So uh, um, we always think about... K and K, we did a lot, and we're actually we filmed quite a few of our own because we had time. We didn't have people come on, which is kind of nice. But um, one of the things we thought about today to talk about off the cusp is uh, recession. Everybody's using the R word. Um, interest rates are low, so we can talk about that for a minute, which is great. Um, a lot of people fear that when interest rates go low and things are happening like this, that we are going to come on to a recession or a slowdown or a meltdown or a financial collapse or whatever. And everybody calls us, you know, every week we're talking about, do you think we're going to a recession? Do you think real estate's going to go down? What do you think is going to happen? Oh my gosh, blah, 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 blah. Guys, nobody really knows. We can look at fundamentals. We can look at data. But what we do know is that interest rates are crazy low. Crystal, do you agree? I agree. And isn't that one of the factors? I mean, that it's kind of reasonable to wonder if we are going into a recession because my thinking has always been that when rates are this low, it's because there's some uncertainty in the market. So to basically spur the market a little bit and give them some confidence that the government reduces rates. Well, so, two things true. have happened. Jerome Powell, our buddy over there at the Federal Reserve, he has reduced the rate a quarter. I know Trump would have liked him to do 50 basis points, but he did that, I think, to throw a bone to the economy, to Wall Street, to everybody saying that I realize that maybe something's coming and I'm, I want to kind of get the – it's more of a psych – that's more of a psyche, like a throwing a bone. I don't know if he's going to do any more. What he's talking about constantly is watching the market. And basically, what are they watching, guys? It's pretty simple. Um, consumer spending – we're watching housing, we're watching interest rates, we're watching trade, which we're having a problem right now with. Mm -hmm. um, we're watching jobs. Which there's been a slowdown. In. There, it's a slowdown. And then the other thing is you're watching 
you know, the flow of real estate and why is real estate such a big thing is, you know, real estate, if people are buying or moving or selling, people forget when somebody buys a home, I don't know the exact number, when somebody buys and closes on a transaction home, think of all the people that get paid, appraisers, realtors, lenders, um, contractors, inspectors, insurance, places like Home Depot, Home Depot, it, like they say, if you buy a home and add $60,000 to the economy, one sold home in like California. But you think about it, you go, that's crazy. You're like, no, it's not. It's not. So all these fundamentals add up. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff going on. The world's crazy. Election year's coming up. Um, the Fed lowered it. The treasuries are all-time lows. You know, 30 years, 15 years, arm rates for residential are low. Crystal, how are your rates looking? Our rates are low, but we're kind of experiencing a little bit of what I think you are on your side as well is that there's been such an influx of financing and lenders are so busy that they're actually artificially raising their rates right now just to slow down volume. Yeah. So what happened, guys, is this is a good and bad thing. And then we can move on to the recession part is when you work in lending, which throwing this out there, anybody wants to know is rates could probably be lower, but the problem is is when you went from rates, let's say they're 5% and they went to 4% and you have a point drop, well, you have a herd of people that want to buy, refi, whatever it is, right, Crystal? Exactly. And yeah. the problem is, is you staffed up at 5%. You're not staffed for 4%. Well, and the and complaint so, that I'm hearing And so too, you're getting jam logged. Log jammed. Log jammed. Jam logged, yeah. What the hell is jam logged? <laughs> I'm uh... I just here to correct your grammar, yeah. but I like the jam thing, <laughs> We're a jam -log. The thing that I'm also hearing a lot too from our lenders is these brokers. They're all putting these properties under contract with these short escrows, thirty and forty five days. So the brokers out there need to start thinking about this. Is that all the lenders are getting backed up? They're getting a lot of files, and the lenders that used to pride themselves on fast closings are no longer closing fast. So they're not able to do those quick 30-day closes, the 45-day closes. I'm doing a 21-day close. Good for you. But on the commercial side, if our standard transaction is 60 days, and I think a lot of us have gotten used to doing 30 and 45 days um, over the last couple of years, it's just become kind of like a new norm. But right now, lenders are super backed up. And um, so you really kind of need that 60 days. And the reason is, too, is because clients take a little while to get their stuff in. So, you know, what happens to us a lot of times is people take maybe a week to get their paperwork in. And then they go like, why aren't we closing on time? And it's like, well, you kind of took a week. So you kind of tack that on to the regular time frame that it takes to close a deal and now you're late you know so um it's really important to get your stuff in fast if you're going into contract i think everybody's going to understand right now that your a 60-day close would be nice and a lot of sellers too they need find time to find their up leg so yep. it's not necessarily that fast close should be the best deal necessarily for getting an offer accepted uh right now so it's it's really tough to find your up leg so if, if that's the case in if you're purchasing a building i would use that to your advantage because right now we're really a little backed up so yeah and with rates um it's a good and bad thing from a lender's perspective when they drop this slow you know it's great for business it's great for everybody but it really causes a lot of stress and delays and like i said is you're taking a lending let's just call it like a big system a big wheel and you're really working it 
and you don't have the manpower. And right now people are hiring new underwriters and new processors and new assistants, but these people have to come in, they have to get trained and they're coming in to like a shit storm of just craziness. And it's very hard to catch up. So not to mention that I think a, a common problem right now is I don't care what sort of business or industry that you're in is finding quality employees. I mean, we, I've been seeing it a lot as that hiring is getting tougher to find people and people are even businesses or employers are even lowering their criteria to get employees because it's so hard to get good people right now or people at all. Yeah. So what today we wanted to talk about, um, we actually were listening to a podcast and, um, Greg, his name is Greg Willett. I think he is. He's an the, economist for RealPage. He's an economist for RealPage. If you don't know what RealPage is, RealPage is probably the second to Yardi, correct me if I'm wrong, Crystal, software company that you would use if you own multifamily, maybe you're a syndicate or you're property management. And you're probably going to use them more if you have Archstone, large, big apartment buildings, like 100, 100 plus, plus unit units. Yeah. Would it really make sense? They have all the bells and whistles and tools. But this guy is one of the most respected economists for multifamily, not just in one area, looks at every state. He was going through a lot of things. And the common, the question they're asking was, is about the recession. And, um, you know, a lot of people are calling and saying, you know, are rates going to go lower next year? Do you think we're going to have a recession? Do you think we're going to slow down this and that? And basically a lot of people are still scarred from 2008, 9, 10. That was called the great recession for a reason. And that is not a normal recession. A normal recession lasts about a year. Real estate goes down typically about 20%. And obviously depending on where you are in the country, what industry you do or what you do, some people in a recession, they don't feel it. They actually are killing it and making more money. And some people in a recession feel like they're in a depression. It just depends on where you're at in life, what opportunities you have, and are you are you, are you looking at the world as a recession? Or are you looking at it as there's opportunities? Okay, and one of the things that isn't helpful though, and we've talked about this and heard a lot of people talk about it, is when you go, oh my gosh, are we going into a recession? And then you start slowing down your spending and you start not going out as much or you start just like backing off on things. And it kind of perpetuates this recession really like if we were going into one subconsciously right we're all we're kind of getting into a recession faster because you're pumping the brakes on your spending which is hurting the economy and if you're doing that how many other millions of people in the world are doing that so a lot of us are scarred from the previous recession i wouldn't say that i'm not i mean i i look for the signs and i think we're always kind of conservative on buying things because of that kind of fear that things might be scarce at some point but um if you kind of start backing off it kind of gets the recession started early because everybody's pumping the brakes on spending which is not good for the economy yeah and i would say look um depends on where you're at because today we're just going to talk about properties and owning properties and going through a recession and obviously there's just common common sense things to just go over if you're a long-term if you've got a big apartment guy or somebody out there that's buying, buying, buying that acts like they don't care if there's a recession or a depression or whatever, these guys, some of these guys have plenty of liquidity, plenty of cash flow, 
and they're going to keep buying regardless of what's going on. High, low, whatever, they just buy, buy, buy because they're more – they have a completely different model. Well, that's the question that we get a lot. Like, what are you guys going to do? What if we go into a recession? And it's like some of our behavior is going to change, but to a large degree, I mean – as far as I'm concerned, we're going to kind of keep doing what we're doing. Um, so we wouldn't necessarily stop buying per se. Um, but I think at that point, let's say that we do go into a recession and maybe rents are going to dip a bit or you might have a little bit higher vacancy. In San Diego, we've seen it um, not quite happen that way. Even in the last great recession, um, people are bunking up more. So there is some vacancy, but then in other places, you're actually having – you know, multiple people living in a unit. So you might have an over-occupancy issue before you have a vacancy issue, especially for those C-class properties where you're going to see that happening more. Um, and then, of course, people are going to move from those A properties to a B property or from a B property to a C property. But the thing that you focus on more as an investor or an apartment owner is you're going to be focusing a lot more on your income and your expenses, your cash flow. So you're going to be looking a lot more. I would be looking a lot more at what are ways that I can get my vacancies filled faster? What kind of marketing can I implement? What kind of technology can I have? And then on the expense side, Hey, look where where are we spending too much money? Where can we cut? Even on where's this, the waste? Yeah, because and a lot of times what I see, especially in financing, is sometimes people are not like they haven't even checked who's the most competitive like person for trash or yeah. for their insurance um, or things just the easy things like that for years. So those are the it first, could be your gardener, it could be yeah, pest control. All of it. When you're, you're going to look at everything, so um, so you're just going to have to manage your cash flow. A little bit more um and that's really the biggest difference that i see with apartments because the beauty is is hopefully you have multiple doors and all those people are paying your mortgage and if they're not and the expenses on the property if you have some vacancy or a little higher vacancy it looks like you're going to get a little bit less cash flow but you still have all those people to, to help you pay the bills and cover the property yeah so i think what's what we're seeing now um and from reading and listening and all that, basically, I think everybody's aware that everybody's been building the, I would know, I'm not even going to say it's A, it's called luxury. So everybody's been building because the dirt's expensive. They've gone out in every city and overbuilt luxury um, rentals. So let's talk about that. Luxury rental is where you're, if you're in San Diego, for example, let's say downtown San Diego or Little, little Italy, and you're going to, a two bedroom is $4,000. Or more. or more. So that person that might feel a recession in their life or they're like, we're not making our bonus or somebody lost their job, they're going to move from there to most likely a class A building, which would be like, you know, Irvine company, big, one of those big two, 300 unit buildings where they got the pool and the security and all and that. And really they just move out of that area. So they're going to go from 4,000 to probably... 2500 3000 somewhere in that mark. They're going to just slice it right they're going to they're going to go there. Right now luxury in San Diego has 1000 vacant units as we speak. There's more coming online. So that number Well, we is, read somewhere that the average vacancy on like a luxury building for luxury is like 10%. Yeah. Here, and so. so in a recession that's going to go way it's going to go way up. Yeah. And I would and, say for the rest of multifamily here we're seeing vacancy more like 3% or less. Or less depends on how you manage your property, right? right. So then we go to A those A people that might lose their job, they're going to go to a B and C class. So let's talk about what are we going to do or what do you do in a recession? Look, if somebody is moving down 
and they're used to luxury to A or A to B or B to C, the first thing they're doing is they're probably moving out of property that's superior to where they're going to move. So they're going to look for the nicest B and C property. Crystal, do you agree? Yes. Okay. So that would mean the number one thing to focus on would be curb appeal. Right. And the number one thing Greg said that I would be more focused on in a recession is curb appeal is the most important thing. Why is that important? Because all well, of a sudden- curb appeal is always important. It's always important, but it's more right. important because when people are moving down and people are looking around, they're going to look at your- If your building is priced close, they're going to go to you first. Then they're going to they're gonna go to the nicest, be the nicest seeing, and then start from there. Well, we see this a lot too because just with all the rehabs and things that we've done too, different buildings- you see sometimes these owners that, you know, wanted to do it themselves and they went and they renovated the interior of the building, all the interiors, and then like didn't get to the exterior. And they think that just because they made the apartment nice that it's going to rent for that amount of money. We actually like looked at management for a guy like a couple of years back. I remember. Yeah, over by Kensington. And the building was horrible on the outside. I mean, honestly, it looked like terrible and he put all the money inside and we were and like then you walk in the units and the units are pretty nice but it's like the person who can afford to have a nice unit also wants when their friends pull up or their family comes over to see them or anybody sees them like walking into their apartment that they have a nice place and they want to feel good about it too so it's like you want to feel good about where you live and part of that is that all the common areas and the exterior is nice. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we've got to learn from a lot of big apartment apartment owners um, in San Diego. And I would tell you the philosophy of is this for them. They are definitely, I'm not going to say more concerned, but the guys that we know that do a good job, that run it right, that I'm not going to mention names that are really good at it, they really focus on curb appeal, keeping it. And then it, we're not talking like it doesn't have to be crazy just crazy uh, landscape. It's just very pull up like, wow, this is a nice, just clean building. Well, one of the- Some of them are more landscape, but it's nice, clean. You start there and then you can go from there. Some of them do signs of that, but having that is so important. So the first thing, when you buy a building, especially now, if you're buying a building, you know you're going to go to a recession and you're thinking about what I got to do. The first thing you should really be doing, even start going inside is just, just go on the outside and what can you do? Is it paint? Is it landscape to make it nice? Because that's going to be the first thing where you start doing the inside units. We always say this, if you go redo all your inside of your units and somebody pulls up and you're trying to get that max rent and they pull up, they're like, this place looks like a dump in the inside and you don't, and like Crystal said, you run out of money or you can't do it. The next person that comes around, you're going to really get crushed because you told them, oh, we're going to fix it up, and you never did. Well, there's a couple of, like other issues with that. The, the first thing I wanted to say is that one of the issues that we had even as a management company would be that some of the owners would be upset that we would charge porting fees because we actually had a porter at one point when you get to a certain level – where you have all these small properties that are not big enough to have on-site staff that can pick up around the property. So you end up having trash laying around. Super smart. Yeah, the homeless issue in San Diego is getting worse and worse, so you don't know what's happening there. The residents don't always care. Again, I actually found that the people in the nicer units when we were rehabbing properties in North Park, for example – I couldn't get somebody to, hey, I'll give you a couple bucks uh, every month to clean the laundry room or to pick up. They're like, I don't want to do that. 
they're working professionals. They don't want to do that. They want to come home and they want the place to be already nice and clean. So we had a porter and some of the owners would complain. Most of them I got to kind of come around on that idea because that comes around to the curb appeal. So once you fix up the property, you have to keep it nice. It needs to be picked up. It needs to look clean. It's a few extra bucks every month for everybody to feel nice um, and to feel good about where they live. The laundry room is a big one. The laundry rooms sometimes would be so dirty and that's one of the things like you want to go into the place to, to wash your dirty clothes and feel like they're going to be clean when they come outside of the laundry. If your laundry room is disgusting, nobody's going to want to be in there. So that's definitely like one of the bigger focuses that we have. Um, so it's it's not just about doing the curb appeal. It's about maintaining it. Oh, too. Of course. Yeah. So what we do on our properties, all of them is um, even if it's minimal landscape, we have our landscaper go there once a week. Some people are like, that's crazy. I go, no, it's not. He's there every week to weed, blow. Basically, he kind of picks up and ports the property. I think it's super important. If you have a 100-plus unit building you that's and like you're smart, almost. you're having yeah. a porter go daily. You might even have an on-site maintenance guy and that person in the first couple hours of the morning when they get there, unless there's an emergency or something, they are 95% of the time, they're porting the property for the first hour and then they're going from there. So... Um, Tiffany's coming in. <laughs> Sorry. That, that's big for um, – so the curb appeal is important and also just like maintaining the curb appeal. Yeah. So that's the other thing. I mean too, we say this also in financing. I tell people all the time if you're not keeping up your property that – it's going to cause the appraiser or the lender to start nitpicking. The same goes with your tenants. If they move in, like you said, for example, and you tell them that something's going to get done and it doesn't get done, it starts building that kind of resentment that you that they didn't get what they were paying for essentially or what they think they're paying for. And then they start nitpicking. They start complaining about every little thing that's going on with the property and they start having issues. So that's the other reason why you really want to maintain your property and keep it looking nice because the more you start doing that, and especially if you're trying to charge market rents, people are gonna, they're gonna be picky about that. They wanna get what they're paying for. Yes, yeah, so let's go through a couple things here. I know we're kind of all over, but we're kind of, this is how we, when, we, when we're talking about a recession, this is what Crystal and I have conversations about. So. Number one, let's talk about what could happen in a recession is lending could get tighter. Commercial lenders. We're already seeing it. Commercial lenders, just so you know, they don't have RESPA. They can say, you know, Crystal, I don't like your building. I'm not going to lend on you. And they have the right to do that. Do they, Crystal? Absolutely. I actually had a lender um, this week. I can give you an example on a purchase. And it was a client that hasn't really um, owned multifamily before. But they have, um, they're partnering with their family. It's a high net worth individual. And they had never done business with this lender before. And the property cash flowed to a 70% loan to value. And the lender came back and said, um, well, this is a first-time client for us. So because they're a first-time client, we don't want to give them 70% loan to value. We're going to limit it to 65 and if you saw this person and their financial capability, you would it, it makes absolutely no sense. So I think a couple things are happening. For one, we went back, we're going back to how busy lenders are right now because the rates are really low. So they've artificially raised rates to slow down volume. And I think now they're just cherry picking. Um, but the other thing is, is that we are seeing other lenders that are getting more conservative. There's another lender that we all 
most of us know and use, they've gotten a lot more conservative about cash out and about um, going to max LTV. They won't even go to max LTV. In fact, they're pretty much like 65% LTV. And that's what they're comfortable doing because they're starting to see some signs that we're at the peak. No, they're just getting uncomfortable. I mean, even in Southern California, and people are watching uh, like all of these regions too. It's not just as a nation. So Southern California, we've had very little rent growth this year. So rents have not been growing the way that they were previously, which I think is actually a good thing. Rents have been going crazy for the last few years, but we haven't seen that rent growth. So I've seen units take a little bit longer to fill in certain areas. Some are filling like that, and then other ones are taking a little bit longer. Um, Lenders that I'm talking to also that are funding um, loans for those high-end luxury units that we're talking about are seeing that on the um, the initial – so when the first tenant moves out, the first person that ever lived in that unit moves out, or even they stay, upon lease renewal or the new lease, the new tenant, the second time in, that rents are going down. So those high rents that they were getting on, on those a luxury, new rehab unit the second time around is coming in lower. Or a new luxury unit. Yep. So after that, when they go to renew their lease, they're actually renewing at a lower rate or renting to a new person at a lower rate. So basically, guys, the, the first point we talked about is in a recession, lending can start to change. And that's what people, they count on this and they can start getting conservative. Why they're getting conservative is because they're getting more data. And as we get further away from rents for raising to they went flat, the data is getting longer and longer. It went from, oh, started flat six months ago. Now it's 12 months. Now it's two years. And then they start seeing from luxury to ABC, what's going on. And then they really start targeting down, like, where do we want to lend? Where do we want to be outlining areas that if you're not in major cities, they start going, we're not going to lend there. Or if we lend there, we're going to start cutting back in LTV. So one of the things that's really important is, is keeping your property nice, ported, clean, like Crystal said, because you're going to get the best rents, the best tenants, and have the chance of the best financing. Because a lender, even though you're in a good area, could go out there and be like, you know what, Crystal, I like the deal. But this property is basically slummy. We don't like it. And I just had a lender this week turn down a property because of curb appeal. Exactly. That's not really the look of the property that they want to put their name on. So in two years, three years ago, I don't think anybody would have said that because we're in upswing. So number one is lenders are getting conservative. And we just talked about the curb appeal. The other thing that you guys got to start thinking about is um, if you're buying a building leveraging a building and you're requiring these crazy, crazy rents where you're pulling, stretching and all this to have to give iPads or phones or, you know, one month free or whatever it is. Um, that could be a problem for you. So we're having that happen too. So again, with some of those new rehabbed units where you're getting, um, top of the market rents and then you're like, great, I can make a little more money. I'm going to charge pet rent or, um, things like that actually on upon refi, our lenders are not including that income. If it's not, if it's over and above the total market rent. So, so even though you're getting rents a little bit higher. So for example, exactly. let's say the market rent for an area like uh, B class building nicest one is two grand. What Crystal's yes. saying is, is like, if you're hey, getting 2100, cause that person with, has two with, pets with and you charge $50 rent and lead, with this yeah. great for you yeah. lender, 
nah, they're not going to use it. You yeah. can complain. A lot of times you can they do count parking because parking can be considered separate. But if you're overcharging for parking, they might not. They might, right. well, that's excessive for the area. They can do that. Yeah. And we haven't seen that at all. Uh, well, we haven't really seen it much up until recently. So I'm starting to see a little bit of pushback with appraisers as well on some of the um, those like market rate deals. Yeah, so what Crystal and I did is um, we, you know, uh, when we buy, when we buy a property, we go in, um, we put the money in, we get it rehabbed while we can. Now, um, we get the rents up. We, you know, try to get everybody, you know, everything done, make the property look nice, new, comfortable with the tenants, everything kind of smooth going. Cause if we are coming into this, I'm not, you know, maybe things slow down. You don't have the capital or whatever. You don't really feel like putting it in when you feel broke or it's just ca cash flowing. So, Now's the time to get the property looking good. If you're going to try to get your rents up, get it up now. In a recession, to try to do all this, it's going to be a lot harder, trust me, because of competition. Um, then also financing is tougher. So that's the other thing is we just go in and we're going to get stuff done now. We're not going to kick the can down the road two years ago. Well, I'll get to that building in two years. Hey, if you're a big guy and you can afford it, that's a completely different model. Good for and you. And we've never operated that way to begin no. with, recession or not. Yeah. So like I said, we're kind of doing a lot of the same things that we would have done anyways um our behavior hasn't changed too much i will say that probably the biggest change for us is that we did see a slowdown coming um i've seen so many rehabs on the market um so for me i love doing that it's one of my favorite things um but we did kind of make that decision when we purchased um the, our most recent building to say hey we're going out of a neighborhood that's really expensive now and where people are just rehabbing buildings left and right it's getting really saturated with rehabs to uh more of like a a working class c quality neighborhood where we can get more steady cash flow so there was definitely income um opportunity to increase the income and increase the value which we're going for but we're not like vacating the building and rehabbing every unit we're doing more small improvements to the property they're going to increase the value and increase rents yeah and the building we're at um curb hill looks pretty good we're just working on some other part just to make it look as good as possible that's landscaping more, kenny's favorite that's 100 <laughs> right um the other thing i think about when entering a recession is like Crystal said, let's talk about the expenses. So it's not just a one property, it's across the portfolio. Like right now, could you refi and save money? Number one, a lot of people are doing interest only on their refis for multifamily, for example, because they want more cash flow. Because they know I've done everything, I'm pulling cash, I just wanna have maximal cash flow for the next five, seven, 10 years that I lock in. The other thing is when you look at expenses is like I said is, this is the time where you want to start digging down on all your properties. Are you maximizing the cash flow? Great. Are you, do you have the rents? Can you do anything to make the rents great? If you're done there, good. Is there anything you can do the outside the building, increase the laundry, anything like that, ACs, parking, whatever, to increase the income? Okay, look at that. The next thing is, is how do you increase income is decrease expenses. So go look at your insurance. Go look at your water, trash, everything. Can you do rubs? You got to look at it all because when you come in a recession, this stuff is going to play a part. And you, maybe you're not thinking about it now because thinking you've been good, fat, and happy. And this is, we're not talking about just us. Big syndicators, they're already starting to look at this stuff because they're not going to wait till they're in it. They know it's coming and now's the time to start getting ready. And some of them might slow down. They're not acquiring as much property and deals too. So they're fat and happy. Things have been good, but they realize you're going to- Well, it's harder out. to find deals Exactly. Right now too. So okay. the other thing is, is that- um, 
you know, there's good and bad for recession. If the, if the market does come down 10, 20%, whatever, that obviously opens up deals and opportunities for people that can take advantage of them. And I think we all have to remember, we've, we have this cycle. We have built a lot all over the country. I don't think we've overbuilt in some places. We're not even close like here, but there is a big wave of people that are in high school and college that are going to come into the working world and they're going to need a place to live and they're coming and they're coming strong and they're coming hard. Even if we hit a little recession, it's going to be crazy. So between 2023 strong and they're coming hard between 2023, listen, listen, learning 2023 and 2035 is going to be the biggest spending era of millennials. That is when they're going to be out of the home, out of college, out of high school, and they're going to be renters. They're going to be buying cars. They're going to be buying houses. They're going to be racking credit cards up. They're so going to basically, buy everything. they're going to help boost the economy. For so sure. they're going to be wherever we're at that. right now, if we go into a slowdown, your goal is to hunker down, cut expenses, keep your property nice, pay attention to stupid stuff. Make sure your personal overhead isn't, isn't crazy if it is. If you have crazy personal overhead, sell a car, pay off credit cards, like start consolidating now. You don't wait. Remember, guys, lending does not get easier in a recession. It usually gets harder. So when you think, oh, I'll just refinance this. What if your property value goes down 20% and the equity 60% goes to 80% and you can't Well, refi. or not even that. Again, um, like you mentioned, lenders tend to just scale back. So the lender that was at a max 75% LTV might say, well, we really only feel comfortable going to 65 or 70 Do you want to know what FHA just so. did? FHA just went from an 85% cash out for a very long time. They just cut it to 80. There's so that, things that kind when of you see these things happening, there's a reason why they're happening because peop, the government, everybody, they're getting ready for a slowdown recession. The job numbers came out today. Um, they're a little shy. They're looking at that. Um, like that guy Greg was looking at the transportation, right, of products, trucking and shipping and, down. and um, yeah. railroads and all that. It's down. That means that's movement of product. So basically what that means, though, is that businesses are not comfortable to carry as much inventory. So they're carrying lower inventory than they have in the past. So that is causing less movement, which means that they're not planning on selling as much as they've been selling. Yeah. And so the other thing is, is that when you come out of this recession, that's when you would make the money or when things get better because all these people millennials are going to be, you know, but we are going to, you know, who knows? This is five years, seven years. The other thing that people are talking about is what about rent control? And maybe, you know, if you have a vacation rental on the laws is, and everybody goes, what what are you going to do? I said, well, when the law passes, it's called you deal with it there. What else do you do? There is nothing. Are you going to sell everything and go to where? Well, there's some preparation I would make um, with rent control at least. So for example, with rent control, um, that's why we keep our rents close to market. I never want to be that person that's operating with rents hundreds of dollars below market or 25% below market or whatever. I I am of the belief that you keep your rents like 50 bucks or so below market just because you, I think the retention is better. I don't need to get tip of the top market rents. And even when we've done rehabs and we do um, lease them at market, I'm not that person on after the first year to be doing a rent increase. I just don't believe in it. Um, So I give them a year break. I'm like, I already got you for the market rent for year one. I'll give you a break on year two, year three, I'll give you a small increase. But, um, 
I think overall you want to stay close to market for your rents. So uh, for one, you don't want your tenants to freak out the first time you give them a rent increase if you're not giving them very often. So I think they need to get used to kind of being close to the market. Their rent's moving with the market. Um, There's nothing unfair or not nice about that. Um, Also, there's inflation and costs go up and the cost of utilities go up. So these are all things that you need to kind of keep in mind when you're talking about rent. So for rent control, um, regardless, I think you should keep your rents close to market. But if rent control is going in place and your rents are super below, then start doing your rent increases. It's time to do it now because you don't want to get left holding that bag when rent control does go into place because we don't know what the rules are going to be. We're pretty confident something's going to happen at some point. Who knows when? But it will happen at some point. There's going to be some sort of rules they're going to have to implement just to quiet people down. And whenever that comes, you just want to be prepared. Yeah, and I think um, to wrap it up, I don't look at a recession negatively. A lot of people do really well in a recession. Um, obviously, certain sectors and things of the economy might suffer more. The stock market might tumble more than housing. Um, but I would just say this. If you're buying a deal and you're paying a top-of-the-market price for a rehabbed retail, super expensive, $400 per door in North Park, and the rents four thousand a door, and the rents are r- way above market because they gave an iPad away, or you know, two months of free rent, and you bought it, you didn't know, and you're maxing the loan amount out. You know, you might feel some pain for a couple years if you have to re-rent, and also your, um, you know, you're you're having to deal with that turnover when you come in. And they're like, you're gonna go, you could be two, three hundred dollars less, literally. The other thing is to think about is the slow times of rental season, have sometimes the slow times have been slower and worse Last later. year was much worse. So as we hit a recession, that slow gets even slower. So if you're doing leases, probably try not to let them in, like if you can, in like October through uh, February, but the really, really bad months that seem to be January and February have been terrible. Yeah, I still don't have it. Um, our leases expire anytime from... October through February because then I'm like, okay, well, you're going into Thanksgiving and Christmas. Who wants to be moving during those times? So you're probably going to be advertising rent concessions for people. Um, so we never do that. It's just one of our things. So you make your leases anywhere from like nine to like 13, 14 months 15 long. 15 months, yeah. 15 months long sometimes. It just depends. So you stagger your leases. And the other thing is if you have a bigger building, this is something that a lot of larger apartment owners are already implementing. Um, but some of the mom pops out there don't think about these things. Um, and we did as a management company is that you look, you don't want too many people's leases expiring in the same month. Because so, that's a huge. Yeah, because yeah. your turnover risk is just a lot higher. So you stagger your leases that way as well. So, I mean, for example, at our new building that's 30 units, I would look and say, I probably don't want more than like five or six people's leases expiring in the same month. So that's like Crystal said, you might do. You're on a nine month, you're on 11, you're on a well, 10 Well, some people 12, are just whatever. so used to doing a 12 month lease. It's like a 12 month lease. It's a 12 month lease. No. There's a strategy. There's strategy. Nine months, you can do 10 yep. months, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. So you don't have to just stick to that rule because it's just the way you've always done it. Yep. Um, you stagger them to make sure that they're not going to be going um, expiring during slow season and you don't have, you know, 10, 15, 20 people all expiring in the same month. Yeah, that's actually um, another really important thing to realize. Just when leasing in general, but when you come to a slowdown, those slow months are going to be really slow. 
and you could be vacant for two, three months and giving major concessions. And that's what we talk about too, like in a recession, when I say pay more attention to your cash flow, is that I think a lot of us, because we're so busy, are just going on like robots sometimes and just like, okay, sign a 12 month lease or this is the way it is. This is the this is the way it operates. No, there's a lot of little things that you can do on your property if you're not implementing them yet to try and safeguard against vacancy loss or, you know, people turnover or additional expense, those sorts of extended vacancy all that kind of stuff is stuff that you want to think about especially if things are going to get to feel a little tighter um, for a while there it's really easy to start focusing on your cash flow and making sure that you're not going to feel that hit as much as you would have otherwise so crystal and i would buy deals we're not scared of that um you know we're going to buy deals um what we're going to do we're going to watch our expenses we're going to watch our personal expenses uh, I think in a recession, marketing is really good. Um, if you're good at what you do in your business, you can also pick up more market share because competitors that might not be willing to spend on marketing are as good that are kind of living off of the, the fumes that are out there. Um, they might just decide to go get another job because they can't hold on because things slow down. So a recession can create opportunity and for others it's not. So I wouldn't fear it. I would just get educated about whatever it is you're investing in um, real estate wise and just pay attention to the cash flow and the numbers and you know just make sure your property looks decent. It doesn't have to be the best one on the block, but you don't want it to be the worst. Some good advice. Anything else? Um, no, I don't think so. So I think that's a good topic. So great, guys. To wrap it up. Hopefully you learned something from that route. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.